So Jesus had just finished teaching about the things that will happen during the days of the tribulation and the close of the age. And we saw that back in Mark chapter 13, verses 3 through 23. Recall how Jesus taught about wars and rumors of wars. The fact that nation will rise against nation. In a way that is unique from what we are currently experiencing today. And you're not going to miss it if you're around. Remember how Jesus says that there will be natural disasters. Natural disasters no, are not just located in one part of the, the, the world or in one nation. But natural disasters over the entire earth. And as we move forward, you're going to see why and how this makes sense. And how famines will be a common thing all over the earth. But also remember, we are currently seeing a sampling of these events as a precursor of some kind during the course of our very lives. Because we are experiencing these things, they become a warning from Jesus that they indeed are warnings to give us time to repent, time to be on mission for his kingdom. Today, we speak of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Over in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, two men believed to be angels told his Jesus' disciples after he ascended into heaven, they said this, they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. It's like the angels are telling us today, you know, don't spend all your time around with your heads up in the sky, but be about the Lord's business until he comes in the same manner in which they saw him go into heaven. So this is a reminder about what Jesus had already told them about the end of times, about the abomination of desolation, about the tribulation, about the very end. And this was a reminder that Jesus had already told them about his second coming. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. Mark 13, beginning in verse 24. Jesus says, But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, 
And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then uh, He will send out the angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. So Jesus tells us that after the uh, tribulation, that time of great wrath and wickedness on the earth, uh, that Jesus tells us that a transition now will occur. So if you happen to be alive uh, during the course of those seven years, and many are going to die. Many people are going to die. But after the end of that seven years, if you happen to be around during that time, Jesus says that here is a sign that you can't miss, that the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its lights. We know that natural celestial disasters, that they mark a new change in spiritual direction. Natural disasters, celestial disasters and changes mark a new switch in the spiritual course of the earth. So after Jesus has spoken about all these terrible things that would happen during the tribulation, he again moves us to another change of scene, uh, which doesn't seem pleasant at all. Jesus first says, but in those days, this of course, those days were the tribulation that he had been speaking of. In those days is also a prophetic utterance which speaks of a future time that God has laid out in his own foreknowledge. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet, uh, he had also said some things like that. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 20. He says this, In those days and in that time, declares the Lord, iniquity shall be sought in Israel, he says, and there shall be none. And sin in Judah, or sin sought in Judah, and none shall be found. For I will pardon those whom I leave as a remnant. So here Jesus, according to the voice of Jeremiah, he speaks of in those days as a time in and after the tribulation. So now we move to Jesus' words when he says, after that. This refers to a transition period when after the tribulation, after all hell has broken loose on the earth. Again, he says, during that time, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. light. In fact, here in uh, verse 25, he says, uh, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Listen to this. This could possibly refer to the prince of the power of the air. We know that to be Satan, who came to do damage on the earth in order to disrupt or overtake God's plan. So uh, the fact that uh, the powers in the heavens, or you can translate the word heavens as the heavenlies, uh, that they will be shaken, that all those 
who think that they have control and authority on the earth uh, that Jesus uh, seems to be saying and, and what we can uh, uh, render as a double entendre, right? Something with uh, somewhat of two meanings. He is saying that even the powers of darkness, that they will be shaken up. But then again, it could just refer to the movement of the planets and the stars being thrown off their normal course of movements. But have you thought about that for a moment? Have you thought about what would happen if the sun is darkened? Have you thought about what would happen if the moon would not give its light? Imagine if you would, living on this planet and there being tidal waves in Lake Michigan. Imagine it, it being the 4th of July and the temperature outside is 40 degrees below zero. Imagine if you would, all the plants and the shrubs outside not having any leaves at all. What could happen if the, uh, the sun does not shine? What would happen if the moon would not give its light? It would be a total disaster within itself on this earth. But in either scenario, we know that it will be noticeable and it will be disturbing for anyone that exists on the earth at the time. But I also want you to know that the disciples anticipated and confirmed these events that they were supposed to happen. The disciples, they knew this. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, the Apostle Peter felt as if the day of Pentecost was some sort of fulfillment of what Jesus spoke. As Peter began to explain to the crowd about why the disciples were speaking in tongues, he referenced the prophet Joel concerning the last days. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Peter declares, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Uh, did you see that qualification there? Uh, when it says that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh, understand what he says here. He says here, I will pour out my flesh upon, uh, my spirit upon uh, my male servants and my female servants. So those who belong to me, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. He says, they shall prophesy, verse 19, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. Now, if you've noticed, or if you're familiar with this passage here in Acts chapter 2, uh, that uh, you may have noticed that everything that Peter spoke about did not happen. If you looked at what Peter preached, everything did not happen. So again, why could it be that Peter 
uh, would have the audacity or the nerve enough to say uh, that uh, they're speaking in tongues. Uh, so what do you mean? And that also means that uh, the sun and the moon will also be darkened at the same time because we know as we look at the account of Acts chapter 2 that it never happened. But remember what you heard in the last message. During the last message I stated that oftentimes you may see a partial fulfillment of prophecy that was then later fulfilled in its entirety at another time. So oftentimes we have in prophecy uh, something of a precursor and then of a fulfillment later in its entirety how God had intended it. We understood this, the fact that through the experiences of witnessing the spirit of the Antichrist will also be present on the earth. Understand that the spirit of the Antichrist will be present upon the earth. And as a matter of fact, even now, you think about the Antichrist uh, standing in places and doing things that he has no business doing, understand that he's present even today. So even with folks... Uh, speaking in tongues and all these things happen. Uh, the bottom line is uh, the devil and his spirit will be around. First uh, John chapter four verse three. First John chapter four, verse three. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming. And now is in the world already. So again, the, uh, the Apostle John says, the spirit of the Antichrist is present in the world. Those who don't confess Jesus carry with them uh, some association with the Antichrist. But they are not the Antichrist, right? So there's a difference between the Antichrist and those who have the spirit of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is a literal being that will be seen, but the spirit of the Antichrist is those folks who operate within those confounds and those actions. And one of the ways that we can tell is those who do not confess Jesus. Those who do not confess that Jesus is God. And that he comes from God. No, that doesn't mean that we walk around saying, oh, you ain't nothing but the devil. Or you ain't nothing but the Antichrist. No, you don't have to do that. Bottom line is that it is a fact. And our job is to make sure that they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we see that Christians are being persecuted and handed over to some authority because of Jesus. Uh, we see the spirit of the Antichrist as people who claim to be Jesus when they are not. These are all false prophets and, and false Christ. Do not believe them. Don't listen to them. Now, on a positive note, Peter explains the day of Pentecost as a fulfillment of the prophetic. He tells us of a time during the last days when the sons and the daughters of God will prophesy, as we just talked about. They will see 
they will have visions and have dreams concerning Jesus and his plan. And here it is. What about you? Has that ever happened to any of you in here today? That you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God directed you at something concerning something being God? Now, I'm not talking about, yeah, I had a dream, honey, and God showed me where my money was coming from. No, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the kind of stuff in which God gives you a vision on how to witness to someone else. How to explain Jesus Christ or give you understanding in the passage knowing that you're going to do something with it. If God, I believe, uh, gives you these visions and gives you these dreams of what to do in His behalf, I believe that you and I, we are currently living in these times in which God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh, His male servants and His female servants. So understand that God may be fulfilling His Word in you. Remember what I said, that we've reached a point now uh, that the next thing that needs to happen is the rapture. Which could happen. I mean, all hell could break loose and the rapture can happen any day. So if that is the case, what could God be doing with us today? Pouring out His Spirit in and using us through us. So when we don't keep the main thing the main thing, when we get wrapped up in all the pettiness of life, and we are not focused upon Jesus Christ, and then we're fooling around with something that God has not called us to fool around with. Remember in times past, God would deliver his word in a manner through his prophets and through his judges. But it didn't happen to everyone. Only a select few that God would speak to King David, that God would speak to, to, to Samuel. He would speak to Elijah and Elisha. He would speak to Isaiah. He would speak to Ezekiel. He would speak to and through a Daniel. Select individuals. But Peter says in these last days that he's pouring out his spirit upon his servants. Now God is pouring out His Spirit on many believers, expecting them to faithfully execute His Word to the world through evangelizing. And the question for you and I today is, what have you done with the Spirit that has been poured out in your life? What have you done with it? If God has saved you, and according to Ephesians chapter 1, and if He has sealed you with and indwelt you with the Holy Spirit, what then are you doing with that Spirit today? See, brothers and sisters, there must be more. It is not good just simply to have a stamp to say, I belong to this club, so now let me into your gates. See, the seal of the Holy Spirit means that not only are, are you going to be let into God's gates, so to speak, but it also means that you're going to be about his business. It is your badge. It is your authority to speak the things of God in the world that we live. So if you have been poured out 
uh, if the Spirit of God has been poured out in your life, know that you are living during these last days. No, it may not seem like it. Because when you finish leaving worship service, you may end up uh, going to uh, uh, wherever you like to eat at. You might want to go and sleep and relax or look at television. It doesn't seem like it. But that does not negate the fact that God's Spirit has been poured out in you. So in his apostolic address to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, Peter, he also mentioned these things. Again, verse 20, Acts chapter 2, verse 20. He says, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. During the time of Pentecost, the sun and the moon, as we already discovered, were not darkened. And then again, it demonstrates God's love to us. God's love is yet again displayed to us by warning us and giving us more time. This is a time in which we have God's mercy, brothers and sisters. God's love is yet again displayed by warning us, uh, telling us, uh, uh, egging us on to be about the work of Jesus Christ. With all of what Jesus has told us, oh Lord, how could we be so dull as to miss it? When the next terrible thing does happen, Jesus helps us to see that there is a chance, that there is a chance for repentance and turning to Him. But you see, one of our problems is that uh, as we live this life and as we go from moment to moment, uh, that we have been, become uh, desensitized and callous into, into thinking that life is simply made up as, uh, of how it is now and then another 20 and 30 and 50 and 100 and 2 and 300 years later. Yeah, technology is going to change things. There might be new buildings, old buildings taken down, but pretty much things are going to continue the way they always have. And not understanding that we are currently in uh, 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 this holding pattern. But this holding pattern will not last for long. If you've ever flown in an airplane, and, and if you've ever flown in an airplane, you uh, may better understand what I'm talking about. You may better understand if you've uh, been in an airplane and uh, you knew that you were supposed to reach the airport by such and such a time, and the pilot, he comes on, oh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want you to know that Currently, our gate is not ready for us, and because our gate is not ready for us, we need to circle around the airport for a couple of times until it's ready, and then once it's ready, ladies and gentlemen, we'll arrive safely at your destination. You see, what happens is uh, you are put in a holding pattern. And in that holding pattern, you're like going around in circles. You're, it seems like you're not going anywhere. But the bottom line is that there's something else that needs to happen. And before that pilot finally gets the okay to land the plane, understand uh, that you have to wait. Ladies and gentlemen, we are currently in a holding pattern. And just because it seems like life is just circling around and around and around, understand that eventually Jesus is going to land this thing. Understand that eventually, uh, the end, that it will come. 
We are in a spiritual holding pattern. And eventually, God will say, enough is enough. So as we go further in Peter's preaching, we see that there is still yet more to come. Wonders in heaven, signs on earth, blood, fire, vapor, and smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, he says. But we're going to stop there. Now, while it's true that the signs concerning the sun and the moon are not good things, they only serve to lead us into the next phase, which is good for believers. And here it is. Jesus Christ will return to the earth. This will be his second coming. Mark chapter 13, verse 26 Jesus says, and then they will see the Son of Man. The Son of Man, of course, is a self-designated name of Jesus concerning himself. They will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. So the next event to happen after the tribulation is that the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself, will come in the clouds and he will come and step foot on this earth. Remember, it was with clouds by day that the Lord guided Israel through the wilderness in Numbers chapter 10, verse 34. And the Lord is seen riding on a cloud as he comes forth in judgment uh, uh, on Egypt. Uh, Isaiah 19 and 1. Behold, the Lord is riding on a swift cloud and comes to Egypt. And the idols of Egypt will tremble at his presence and the heart of the Egyptians will melt within them. But now we see the Son of Man, Jesus Coming in the cloud, being fully vindicated. What do you mean? Remember how Jesus had been rejected, how he had been marginalized, how he had been uh, nailed to the cross, how he had been uh, stabbed by a spear? Now those who had uh, put him down and thought they had killed him, uh, they will see him coming in the cloud. sad thing is that Jesus, he came to deliver us. He came to deliver them from the wrath of God. I mean, come on, what do you think? What do you think about people who make fun of or, or kill the very people who are supposed to help them? What do you think about that? And there will be no mistaking who Jesus Christ is when he arrives. You will not have to wonder whether Christ, he is the Christ, because of the power that will accompany. How, how will I know? You've already said there are going to be plenty of false Christ. There are going to be uh, antichrist. There are going to be false prophets. Uh, all these things. So how will I know that Jesus will be Jesus when he comes? Tell you what, because Jesus will come with power, you're going to know power when it arrives. Amen? False Christ. And those who have uh, the Antichrist spirit uh, do nothing more but then put on a magic show. As their tricks are not derived from an eternal source. So when they show you their tricks, understand that you hold your Bible in your hand. But when you see Jesus Christ, when you see God, you're going to know God. Because I don't know how many people that you've seen that automatically you just want to bow down to. You see, when Jesus shows up, you're not going to say, is that Jesus or not? 
hmm, let me see. This scripture says that, and this scripture says this, and that, and the other. When Jesus shows up, remember how uh, the many people would sometimes, when they would see an angel, what would happen to them? They would fall down to their knees and tremble out of fear. And this is what I believe that would happen if Jesus walked through this door right now. It would be unmistakable. You would say, well, well, well forget, forget Pastor Spencer. As a matter of fact, you said, forget him. Right? You turn around and start worshiping him. And I tell you what, uh, you'd be worshiping him after me. Because if he came in that door back there, guess who would see him first? Amen. So all of this activity is reflected of what Daniel the prophet has said in Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Come on. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. What we see in Jesus riding on the clouds is his second coming, again, this differs from uh, the pre-tribulation rapture in which Jesus simply removes the believers off the earth. Yeah, the, remember the rapture, uh, those believers who are dead and alive, right? And then the tribulation happened, people will be saved. So at the second coming, uh, Jesus will still remove those off the earth. But his second coming, this time he will come as victor to end all the mess on the earth once and for all, the great trial and wickedness that has plagued this place. And please turn with me. You have to read this Revelation now, chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. Get a chance, uh, read more of the context, but we're going to read a nice chunk now. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And the Apostle John says, Then I saw heaven opened. And behold, in other words, look! Uh, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes wars. You see that? That Jesus is going to come, right? All the tribulation is on the earth. We have wars and rumors of wars. It says that uh, this one on the white horse, that he will come to do what? We're hoping Jesus will come to bring peace. But what is he going to do? He will come and make what? War. Verse 12, his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, many, many crowns. You, you, you hear what the passage is saying. He has all these crowns on his head. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus only had one crown on his head. We always see one crown hanging on a cross. We always see crown him singular with uh, 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 these royal diadem, right, right? Uh, but it says here that on his head are many diadems, many crowns. In other words, it says all those who had uh, proclaimed that they were kings and presidents and this and that's of all the nations. In other words, I believe that this is a sign that 
the authority from every single nation on earth will be upon the head of Jesus Christ. There's not going to be any other king. There ain't going to be any other president that Jesus is going to be it. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Well, we get this, right? Why is his robe dipped in blood? Because they did what? Come on, you know. Come on, they did what? Come on. Oh, let's try it one more. What did they do to Jesus on the cross? They did what? They. So the reason why his robe is dipped in blood was because of the sacrifice he did on our behalf. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. In the beginning, John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word what? Was God. It says, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. Get it? 14. And the armies of heaven. Well, look at that. The armies of heaven. So Jesus comes and he does not come alone. Arrayed in fine linen. White and pure. We're following him on white horses. We believe this to be just a, a whole slew of believers who's coming with Jesus. Probably believers and angels. But verse 15, look at this. All, all these armies are arrayed against uh, the wickedness on the earth. All those who have the spirit of the Antichrist, they call themselves that they're going to fight Jesus, right? And Jesus comes with all these crowns on his head and no, I am the one with authority. And he, he's coming with all the armies of heaven. Uh, can you imagine the armies of the earth going to war with the, against the armies of heaven? 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. I don't have time to get into all that. But he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe, remember that robe that was dipped in blood? And on his thigh, he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. So now when we take that and, 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 we, and we superimpose that on top of, of this all the way in Mark chapter 13, when it says here in, uh, in verse 26, and then they will see him, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. This is what they're going to see. You can't miss Jesus coming from heaven with armies. A person who's standing around talking about, I'm Jesus, follow me. You're like, what? Get out of here, you old peon. You better get out of here with that mess. You ain't no Jesus. Because if you were Jesus, where's your army at? If you were Jesus, uh, where is your name written on your thigh and written on your robe? If you were Jesus, where is your bloody robe at? You are a liar, so get thee behind me, Satan. See, you don't have to stand for that stuff if you know what the scripture is. If you wonder if I will ever, ever be deceived, you say no, because when Jesus comes back, uh, I'm not going to miss it, and you're not going to miss it. So don't be afraid of these knuckleheads walking around here. Amen? 
So those who have made war against Jesus and his saints will have a day of reckoning. There is, as you can imagine, differing opinions concerning the rapture of the, uh, of the church. However, our view is that the rapture, that it will happen, that if you're living now, and we know that the tribulation has not started, uh, but if you are a believer, you know that before Jesus comes back, before the tribulation happens, that you're going to be out of here. Amen. And thank you, Jesus. So again, though, that when Jesus comes during this time of tribulation, if you've been persecuted, some that have been killed, if you can imagine, if you will, some are going to be glad to see Jesus. Can you imagine the person from which other folks who hate Jesus Christ, they're about to kill him, then all of a sudden Jesus Christ shows up? Can you imagine the emotions that will well up inside of them? I can hear them crying out, Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you saved me from the wickedness. But then, when all that tribulation and all that other mess happens, when Jesus Christ is about to enter into the scene, some are not going to be happy. Revelation chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. Some are not going to be happy at the prospects of meeting Jesus face to face. Look at this. This is what they will say. So they will call to the mountains and rocks, saying, Fall on us. Hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? So Jesus, uh, he will gather all believers who remain on the earth, he says in Mark chapter 13, verse 27, And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, to the ends of heaven. When Jesus comes to the earth for a second time, he will effectively again gather all of his saints from everywhere. And this is how he's going to get his army together. Amen? And we already know that during the rapture, he's going to already have a whole slew of believers who are already in heaven. So then, what are we to do? We need to prepare ourselves for the second coming of Jesus Christ. We need to prepare ourselves for the second coming of Jesus Christ. How? Number one, remain faithful to Jesus even when you're tempted not to. Number one, remain faithful to Jesus even when you're tempted not to. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Jesus says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So don't lose your hope because there's a new movie, a new book, or a new discussion or something that you heard here or there which says that they can prove that it's, it's all nothing but a fake. Because I don't know about you that in my lifetime I've heard that over and over again. There's some kind of study or some kind of artifact that came out and they said this right here proves that Jesus Christ was not who he said he was. Right? And then you fast forward years after that, and then someone else comes along, and they take a look at that, and then they end up saying, you know what, uh, this artifact that they found, that it was a fake. It was all a phony. I was uh, interested uh, uh, a few years ago uh, that what happened was I was watching a, a program on PBS, and this lady who happened to be, uh, uh, she was a Jew, and what she was doing, she was trying to find evidence of the kings of Israel. 
I mean, I've told you that story before. So she was trying to find the evidence of the kings of Israel. And they went around and they tried to go to all the different places where supposedly this was there and that was there. And they didn't find all, everything that she anticipated. And then she began to say, well, I'm almost willing to believe that it really was nothing but fantasy. That all about this whole line of all these kings, well, it looks like this right here could be evidence of King David, right? And this could be evidence of King so-and-so, and this could be evidence. But when, it, when the Bible talks about all these things, it's just we don't see all that. So I just really don't, I don't believe all that. And then this, is, this was the thing that, that fascinated me. Then uh, she come across a, a discovery that was, uh, uh, it was from King uh, Omri. And if you don't know who King Omri was uh, in the Old Testament, King Omri, uh, Omri, O-M-R-I, he was one of the wickedest kings. He was very wicked. So there was a few evidence concerning King Omri, and this is what she says. I think I believe that. I believe that he was a real king there and looked like he did a lot of great things. So she says, there's other stuff concerning King David and King Solomon. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure we can believe all this other stuff. But King Omri, Omri, that's something that we can believe. You see how the spirit of the Antichrist, how he works? But I tell you, don't lose your hope because of all that mess. So remain faithful to Jesus even when you are tempted not to. And then finally, again, along those same lines, do what Jesus has called you to do. Do what he's called you to do. Luke chapter 19, verse 13. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minutes and said to them, engage in business till I come. He says, engage in business until I come. In this passage about stewardship, Jesus calls and warns the disciples about those who are faithful and unfaithful to the responsibility that he has given them. What has Jesus called you to do? Will you be faithful or will you do nothing to what Jesus has given you? Let's pray.